this is that what you want more energy, right? How much energy do you want? Like, give me a level. What? 9,000? <laughs> You're listening to Free Agency on the new sound of Power There's no way that can be right. Hello, and we are back for the second half of Free Agency. And we have that special guest we were talking about, my cousin Craig, who actually works for the Charlotte Hornets. That's still extremely weird for me to say the charlotte hornets it just doesn't roll off the tongue as everything else but over the holidays as most of yours are it's filled with a bunch of heated family debates and one of the ones we had a couple stabbings uh, no whoa stabbing no i'm not stabbing anybody in my family the way you said it's like Holidays, heated family debates. Uh, well, obvi- well, obviously, I get into them with my dad all the time because I'm apparently I'm always wrong. Craig thinks I'm wrong when I say Steph Curry's a better scorer than Melo, which was one of the debates we were having, and he is here to defend his point. <laughs> I, so I guess I'll start <laughs> then. Um, one of the things that I say, I one of the reasons why I say Steph Curry is a better scorer because he can score from virtually anywhere on the court. And Craig thinks that's not enough. It's not that I don't think it's enough. It's that when you say who's a better scorer, if you ask me Melo's top three scoring in the league, one of the top three scorers in the league, but does that mean he's one of the top three best players in the league? Absolutely not. I say he's a better scorer than Curry because he can post you up on the block and he can bully you to which Curry can't. Curry might have a better jump shot and have maybe, in a sense, infinite range with the way he's been shooting the ball. But Melo's a better scorer in my, in my eyes because he can pull up from mid-range, his three-point shot has improved over the course of his career. He can take you on the block. He'll, he'll, he'll shoot three for 18 in a game and still have 20 points. And you wonder, you look and say, how does he have 18 points off of three or four made field goals? A lot of those buckets, he'll get an offensive rebound and go back up and get fouled. And he'll be... 12 for 13 from the um, from the free throw line, which is my defense to say Melo's a better scorer. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's a better all-around player than Curry. So it, it depends on where you're really trying to take the debate to. I can see both sides of it because a similar argument has been made for James Harden because people say he's really not that good of a scorer because a lot of his points come from the line because he's like perfected the Euro step and moving his hand into yours while he's shooting. But at the end of the day, points are points. And in my opinion, I think just because of, like I said, Curry can pull up from anywhere on the court. Where I think you're getting it confused, or at least where I see the disconnect, is you're describing Melo being a more dynamic uh, scorer than Curry. And I don't necessarily mean that. I don't think that means he's better than Curry. Absolutely. Um Everyone scores in their own different ways. Melo, he's, if you ask any, any, you can ask the ESPN analyst. I'll watch first take in the mornings when I'm not at work. I'll, I'll chime in the first take. I've had this debate with, about Kevin Durant and Melo, who's the better scorer. I always say Melo because he can score from anywhere. You put him on the block, he can face you up, triple threat, mid-range. You know, he's a, 
85, 90% free throw shooter, which is my defense for saying Melo's a better all-around scorer. Curry, yeah, he can shoot. Don't get me wrong, that man can light it up in a heartbeat, and he has been on any given night and is playing like a real MVP of a championship-caliber team, but I still think Melo's a better scorer. And I had the debate with your father as well, too, <laughs> yeah. a, couple days, a couple days before you texted me about the whole, you know, about the same issue. <laughs> I, I think where Curry, and I, li- I like the argument that Melo can do it all around. We've heard Kobe say that he's the toughest guy he's ever, he's the strongest guy he's ever had to face up against. I think where Curry, with just being a shooter, as we've seen, it almost goes back to he's daring people to stop him from shooting over them, and nobody has been able to yet. We might not be seeing all of what Curry's game is because of the fact that he knows how he could beat them. So why not beat them the easiest way possible? Almost like score with the path of least resistance. If you're a 45% three-point shooter, you're the best that we have in the game today and might be the best ever. You might as well just go with what you're great at. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I 100% agree with that. And Curry doesn't just shoot. He go, he'll, he'll make a, you know, do a quick crossover, one or two moves, and get to the rack. But he, you know, I just feel if, and I, I was talking to Matt about this earlier, if you're down a point or two, who do you give the ball to? If you're down two or three points, who do you give the ball to? If I'm down by three points, I'm giving the ball to Curry. Yeah. If if I'm down one or two points with, let's say, ten, you know, between eight and ten, eleven, twelve seconds left, I'm gonna give it to Melo and tell him go on the block and listen, just get us a bucket. And if he doesn't make the bucket, run some time. You know, I like my chances with Melo on the free throw line if he doesn't get the bucket, but he does draw fouls. He doesn't get a lot of foul calls, but that's a whole other discussion. But you know, you can put Melo on the block and say, yo, listen. Just get us a bucket. Well, you know, we'll we'll take it in overtime. That was so, the point. You no, know, that was the part part of your argument that really got me was the situations, because it's like it made a lot of sense. Would you rather go down two points? Would you rather give it to Curry to shoot a three, which he's forty five, even fifty percent on a good night, or give it to Melo down on the block where he's gonna probably score because he's like what, 85 from the field so yes yeah yes it's somewhere in that range yeah and yeah, I mean, also like you brought up the whole kevin durant and mellow thing i feel like that's probably a more fair comparison because they might not be the same build but they're the same height yeah, and play the they, same position yeah mellow yeah mellow and durant that's more of a better debate because they play the same position it's apples to apples you know whether whether Mel, yeah mellow and curry curry's a guard mellow's a forward you know, Melo's been, you know, the past three years, but within the past three years, Melo's been seeing a lot more power forward going back to, uh, what was it, two seasons ago past this one when they won 54 games? Well, they have a better three efficiency. Seasons ago when they won 54 games, they won the Atlantic. He played a lot of power forward to where Curry can play, you know, he can bring the ball up, create his own shot. There's been times where I watched some Golden State Warrior games where he'll pass it, he'll bring the ball up, but pass it to the wing and come around screens and score. So you can really say he's not just a point guard. You can really say that he's just a guard because he can play either position. So you can't really say who's better because they're two completely different players. As to where Melo and Durant, they're both with Durant 6'10". You know, has a really frail, he's real skinny, you know, frail for, you know, 
that position, but, you know, he's just an unbelievable player. You know, Melo is, what, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, six, I want to say 6'8", mm-hmm. but his body build is, you know, just tremendous. He's strong. Yeah, he's a he's, lot thicker he's all fighting, around. He's fighting with the power forwards for them offensive rebounds, and that's where he gets a lot of his buckets from. If you, as, as a Knicks fan, that's what I see from watching games, despite me living in Charlotte. But, you know, that's, that's you know, it's two different comparisons. Yeah, I'm, I kind of like uh, that. I've, I kind of came to the realization that they are different positions, and it's going to be like you can't really compare the two because we see it a lot. People say, oh, Jordan or LeBron or LeBron and AI or something like that. It's like it's two yeah. different positions. But we were also ha- having a debate earlier. Not really, I kind of just asked you, would you rather have Kid, uh, Steve Nash or Jason Kidd in their prime? And the overwhelming answer I asked you, I asked Chris and my dad, um, they all said Jason Kidd. Except, wait, no, what? excuse me, Chris, Chris said. Chris said, been, said. Chris said. Oh, yeah, Chris, your brother. You're talking about my brother, Chris? Yeah. Okay, okay. He actually, he said Steve Nash. He's like, you got to go with the two MVPs. Uh, one of our that, other- That's where I went. I went with two MVPs. Yeah. I went with Steve Nash. But also, remember, I've only really been into basketball for about four years now. So mm. I don't really okay. know much back when both of them were playing. The only time okay, I ever watched okay. Kid was because I loved Vince Carter, and I liked watching the, the crazy stuff he did New on Jersey court. Nets, yeah, yeah, back in the Nets days. Okay. See, I'm, I'm, I'm 26. I turned 27 in, in about two or three weeks. So I grew up watching Steve Nash when he first started, Jason Kidd, you know, when they first came in the league. They are both, you can't knock any of those two players. They are both great, great point guards. Mm-hmm. One of the and in my time in the you know mid early nine you know mid to late nineties, they were the Russell Westbrook and Derrick Rose of that time. They both get to twenty points on any given night. They both get to over ten you know nine plus assists every night. Steve Nash was more fun to watch because when he was with Phoenix in that D'Antoni system, he just those passes Exploded. he would give to Boris Diaw. Joe Johnson, um, Quentin Richardson, even Amari Stoudemire going to the basket and shooting threes were just unbelievable. As to where Kidd, and I told Matt this earlier, which he didn't know, Kidd is third all-time in NBA um, um, three-pointers made. And that's, it's, you know, you really don't notice that. And I know that from when he, Kidd, was on the Knicks. I was like, wow, he is, you know, third all-time. You know, that's crazy, but you would really... You would never really know that because all you remember him is, you know, like you said, the, the New Jersey Nets days where he would just lob it up to Vince Carter or Richard Jefferson, yeah. Kenyon Martin. That's where he really, really made his name. So I, I went with Jason Kidd because even watching them both, Jason Kidd was more of a championship caliber point guard to where he can play the half-court game as to where Steve Nash likes to run and gun all the time. And Kid did that every once in a blue, too, on, on, on the fast break. But being that kid can slow the game up, play at his own pace, and put the two guard and the, and the um, power forward and the shooting guard in positions to score, as to where Steve Nash just found everybody because he knew the spots where they were going to be, I chose um, Jason Kidd in that sense. Yeah, and no, he- I'm, I can't. I can't knock Nash's two MVPs. You know, you said that. My brother said that. I, I forgot about that. You can't knock his two MVPs because he did his thing back in the day. But 
Steve, you know, Kidd just had more of a championship caliber and a, and a championship mindset as to where Steve Nash, not saying he didn't want to win or, or you know, win a game or want to win a championship. He was just more exciting to watch. Yeah. And you kind of... And he, he really excelled in that Dan Tony system because that's the kind of guard that he was. And you really saw, like, the two, I guess, like, play styles, like, which one stood the test of time. And obviously it was Jason Kidd because you saw, like, what he did when he was on the Knicks. He was still, like you said, like, putting players in position to score, able yep. to slow the game down and be the floor general while Steve Nash was injured and on the bench for two years collecting $40 million from the Lakers. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm yeah. not going to leave $40 million and, on the table either. Yeah, but... I mean, I'll- I say it all the time. You could, please, I could definitely be Matthew Delavadova. You can play me to run around and look like I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, like, it's absurd. No, it's true, though. But um, yeah. you, you can't really not go wrong mention, with you with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and not to mention, Kid was more, he's the coach on the floor. Not saying Nash wasn't, but... Like, you know, when kids last year on the Knicks, he wasn't the focal point of the offense, but he played a big part in the offense because he was the one who emphasized pushing the ball. And Matt said, Matt, Matt did note that I work for the Charlotte Hornets now, but before the Hornets, I was working at MSG. So I got to be there that year where they won 54 games and have a, a few conversations with Jason Kidd and I also interned with the Brooklyn Nets. When he was the um, when he was the head coach, so I got to talk to him on numerous occasions, and he would always explain to me. I said, "Kid, you know, it's weird how you're known for having X amount of assists per game and being one of the best passers in your prime and in that era of basketball." But I asked him what made him really shoot the way he did and why he was such an underrated shooter. He said he had a couple of little like little knickknack injuries that never really got out. As you know, like a, you know, knee sprain or like knee swelling to where yeah. he couldn't run as Steve Nash did over a majority of his career, even when he, he was with Dallas. So he knew he had to spot up and he worked on his jump shot. And he, he still, he, he pushed, he moved on. He really emphasized the ball movement, which really made the Knicks a better team. It does. So that, just that mindset, and you even see what he's doing with Milwaukee now, what he did with the Brooklyn Nets his first um, year of coaching, you can really tell his mindset and his knowledge of the game. His IQ is just, it's just crazy. His, he just knows so much. And you need guys so, like that in a locker room absolutely. too for like absolutely. the culture guys and things like that. Because a lot of people don't even like realize this. I think Rasheed Wallace, when he was uh, during that 52-win season, he was like a big focal point of that team just in the sense of absolutely. like the culture on the team. He might not have played 36 minutes a game, but he was still an important part to that to the team at that point. Absolutely, absolutely. And you saw when the Knicks was. With Jason Kidd, um, Rasheed Wallace, Kirk Thomas, Marcus Canby, how they lost those vets. And the next season, they went from winning 54 down to 37, and they didn't even make the playoffs. So Jason Kidd, it really shows how important he was to that team. Not just, he didn't have to put up 20 points and 12 assists every night. You know, he, he might have had just seven or eight points and four assists, but his... 
his that veteran leadership that he brought to the table, whether he was a player or a coach, is just is just phenomenal how much he knows about the game. Well, I mean, it's that's years of accumulating knowledge on the court, off the court, plus talking to veterans about it. I'm sure every day he was the type of person that would study from veterans just by having a conversation with them about how to run a floor. Absolutely, and absolutely. And, and like absolutely. Look, people look at some like the great players now, like Melo and like even LeBron now, but like look at the players like Kid, Kid grew up watching. He was drafted in what, 96, right? With uh, Kobe yeah, 96, and Fisher. Yep. Like, so look at some of the players that he was around in the league at the time and things like that. It was, it was like a different league back then. And a lot Oh, yeah, yeah. Every era is different. Every era is different. And now for some reason it kind of seems like they automatically attribute the best player to be the leader of the team, and that's definitely not true in every case. Like, look at the Sacramento Kings. Absolutely not. DeMarcus Absolutely Cousins not. is by far the best player mm-hmm. on that oh, team. Oh, hands down. Hands down. He's One no way in the league. Uh, probably the best center, and yeah. he's in no, no way a leader, at least not at this point no. in his career. No, no, he's... He had he he had, he definitely has a lot of growing to go mentally to become a leader. He might not saying he's not a leader, but he's not the vocal leader no. that that you know that those vets was on the on the next fifty four win team. Yeah, you know he might lead by example on the court by giving you twenty eight points and fourteen rebounds. He's definitely leading by example, but as far as that. That locker room voice, he's just not there yet at this point in his career. No, he could. Not saying he won't get there, but he just has a little bit more maturing to do. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's different, so. Well, it's also. You've got to wait and see what happens with him. It's also hard to develop when you have, you know, constant rumors of coaching staffs plus ownership fighting over whether they even want you there. You know? Definitely a distraction. It doesn't. It, I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. That's, it's, it's definitely a distraction. It's a distraction. It's discouraging. You have, you know. Obviously, ownership wants him there because he's a good sell. Yeah. But if coaching doesn't Absolutely. want you there, you know, it's it's very distracting to you as a player to grow and say, you know, why do I even want to be here if, you know, there's a constant debate yeah. of, oh, should we trade him? What can we get for him? You know, what's, mm-hmm. what's the compensation for him? Who can we get to replace him? Exactly. And it's like you're stuck between, like, a rock and a hard place as, like, the – ownership too because like we've had this discussion with Melo obviously you've heard people calling for the Knicks to trade Melo but like what are you going to trade for Carmelo Anthony we were actually having this conversation earlier I right now there's probably only two players that I would trade and that DeMarcus Cousins or Kevin Durant other than that I don't want or maybe okay LeBron James too but other than that really who can you get for Carmelo Anthony somebody of like that caliber Player, no, they're just not sitting there on the trading block. Mm, I mean, at this point in Melo's career, oh. not knocking Melo because I'm, I'm I'm a Melo fan and have been since since he was in Syracuse. But how much can you do you think you're going to get from Melo? You know, for Melo in the trade, coming off of knee surgery, what? and you know his production is slow, very, very, very slowly declining, just because he's you know he's 31 now. Wait, you can't expect to get Kevin Durant for him. Well, you know, that, that's Durant, what I think. Durant, Durant's younger, you know. It's it's still it's kind of it's kind of a pick your poison thing, you know. The compensation doesn't outmatch the value he has to your team now. Exactly. You're not gonna Absolutely. get. You're not gonna get more than his value, and then you're gonna have even if you get equal to his value, you then have to go through the growing yeah. phase of learning the triangle offense. 
plus getting to know everybody, mm-hmm. plus getting used to the New York media and everything. So the yeah, conversation doesn't fit with what you can get out of it. Yeah, and not to mention his contract. You know, a team is going to have to eat that yeah, contract. That's a that's a so, lot. I mean, granted, yeah, granted, the um the salary cap is going up next year by a whole lot, but Ooh. you know, his contract is another thing. I just want to point out, I predict that there will be a lockout coming within either the next year or two. Just saying, you heard it here first. Uh, yeah, listen, probably with, with 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 the way the last lockout ended, or you know, just spur- sporadically just happened. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised. There's more money involved, so it's. Yeah, I I hope not. I'm, I'm an NBA fan. Oh, I God. want to see basketball, but yeah, you know, see my team lose. it might happen. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I keep forgetting you're a Hornets fan. Yeah. I keep trying to convince you to not be. I just, Wait, who's a Hornets fan? I am. Are, are you really? Yeah, I'm a. I'm a when I was getting into sports heavy, I grew up. I was in Carolina at the time, so I'm pretty much all ah, okay, Carolinas. Okay. I'm a Duke guy. I'm a Panthers fan. I'm a Hornets fan. Yeah, I try to see. Even he was surprised that he's like, really? You're a Hornets. <laughs> fan? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not That's a funny. It's not a great fan base, but eh, it's a. Lo- know, I it's mean, a hey, listen, the base. teams are doing their thing. I see a lot of. I went to Buffalo Wild Wings last Sunday, and it. You know, one of my friends from. MSG actually just moved down here and got a job down here as well. And we went to Buffalo Wild Wings on Sunday. It was packed with 95% of the people there were Panthers fans. Oh, no, no. So the pa- it's, Panthers it's, are great. It's, it's really the Hornets perfect. that are yeah. the problem. All, all I heard throughout the entire conversation is that MSG might be hiring. <laughs> 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 no, it's um, the Hornets are they're, they're building slowly. I like Nicholas Batum there. You got you to gotta find a way to keep him past this year. Because obviously, if he leaves, he's been instrumental to being able to eat the loss of a Michael Carter Williams, not Michael Carter, Michael Kid Gilchrist. Yeah, um, yeah Kid Gilchrist. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I'd yeah, love that, to see them on the big. court together. Absolutely. I would Absolutely. love to see that yeah, yeah. defensive ability and the the fact that either of them can either move to the three, the four, and can guard all the wing positions. Um, yep. Yep. But you gotta you gotta figure out a way to keep him. Which is, yeah, I mean, even with, even without Kid Kid Gilchrist from you know working the games and you know staying there, it's they're still they've they've adjusted and they have a chance to be one of the top teams. You know, mid level. You know, being that you know at the top, you know, Cleveland's going to be there. You know, you know the Bulls are going to be there, and then everything else is kind of just up for grabs. They have a chance to be at you know a three, four, five seed. They're just searching for a little bit more consistency. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up because this is something I've been battling with trying to like decipher whether or not I really want to believe it's true. But I believe what? that like the Western Conference is like imploded. You know how obviously over the like the, in recent history, it's been like the most dominant like conference in um over oh, the yeah, Eastern yeah, Conference. For, yeah, for, for a long time. For I'm a long time. pretty sure it's, it's the tides are starting to turn now. I see it. The clip, the the Rockets are definitely not what they are. They won't be this. Uh, they're going to be a completely different team next year. They're already, aren't they already talking oh, about yeah. trade moves oh, yeah. for Dwight Howard? Marcus Saul and yep. the Grizzlies aren't getting any older. Whoever takes Dwight Howard is a dumb team. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to be the first to say that. Yes. The, and aside, really aside from like the Warriors and maybe like two other teams, the West really isn't going to be that good. Tim Duncan's definitely retiring this year. If LaMarcus Aldridge didn't come this year, he said he was retiring. So was uh, Manu Ginobili. The Clippers, their window's closing. So, yeah, uh, the, Clippers have, the, 
the Clippers are the most like I I, I like Chris Paul, but that team is like the Clippers are just not. I don't know what it is. I don't know if, if they're just not performing or if if their their time their, you know if their window is closed faster than what they thought. But they're just not performing up to par. It's really just you know you, you can't count San Antonio out no matter how no. old they are because we. We've been saying, oh, they're old for the past seven years. <laughs> and and how many championships and, and, and deep playoff runs have they made with Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Manu? And they've added David West um, to Marcus Aldridge. And it's like, whoa. So they just reloaded. So you can't count them out. Obviously, Golden State is doing, you know, they just, no championship hangover. They picked up where yeah, they left yeah. off last year. Um, you know, OKC, you know, they, they started a, a little bit slow, but they're picking up. You, you can't really count them out, especially when you've got Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. The only and, you know, like you said, Houston isn't what they used to be. They weren't what they were last year. Portland lost four starters. So it's really just Damian Lillard, Lillard there to kind of just figure things drop out. Drop a triple-double every night. Yeah, every, every other night. So the West is really, you know, you really, you know, Dallas – you never know what kind of team they're go- they're going to be because the only player you consistently see every year is Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah. Everyone else is different, so you really just don't know what the West is going to be anymore. And no matter what, you can, you you can't really go by the rosters anymore because you would say, "Oh, like Howard, James Harden," but I think you have to like differentiate between like, okay, this is going to be like a good like a regular season team and like a good playoff team. Cause Playoff like, team, yeah, yeah. There's definitely a difference. Like last year, the Clippers were a great regular season team, but what Absolutely. did they need? Yeah. Depth, and what did they not have in the playoffs? Depth. Depth, depth, yep. And then, but then yep. they went out and got depth this year. Yeah, they they're did. They're not a great regular season team anymore. I mean, that might have yeah, something to do true, with true. Jordan. There's that true, uh, but chemistry aspect of it all, still, yeah. but yeah, I don't. I just don't like. I like the Clippers. I like Doc Rivers, even though he was in Boston. You know, I'm a Knicks fan. I just <laughs> hate all Boston sports. You know, just naturally. Facts. But you know, I love, I like Chris Paul. I like Jamal Crawford. You know, he was a he's an ex Nick. You know, I wanted him to come back a couple of seasons ago, but you know, he didn't want to take the the best minimum. But they just haven't. I don't. I like. I don't even know what to call it because you know I haven't watched too many of the games. Obviously, because they're on the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast. Mm. But they just haven't. They just, um, I, I just, I, I think you can really say their windows closing faster than what they, you know, they thought. Especially with, I don't know, can you really say that their windows closing, or have the Warriors and OKC just slammed it for that them? Quick that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You know, are they coming up so quick that the, it it's forced the Clippers to kind of try to catch up, and they and they just can't. You know, I I take Russell Westbrook over Chris Paul any day at this hey, point. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you know, so you know, and you definitely have to take Curry over Paul now. Oh, he embarrasses you know, him every but, time he plays him. He made sure yeah. you know that. Yeah, every time, you know, and and I'm a Chris Paul fan, and you know, you just gotta you just gotta be realistic. You know, they just the Clippers just don't have it anymore. Yeah, I mean, they lost their their edge, their luster. Um, I don't want to say it's Chris Paul's time to go, but I mean, there's there's something's got to change there for them to be there's the really, championship caliber team everybody thought they were. It's really not. I don't think it's anything that they're doing. It's just like the dominoes just haven't felt fell like in their way. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, basically yeah, yeah, like that's a good way to put it. Like, I don't. The best way I can explain it is like Jordan Itis. Like if 
it's kind of like they there's a few like the few teams they can't get past that they just keep running into like they're hitting a wall that they just can't get over they can't really do anything better than yeah, they're already yeah, doing yeah yeah true they barely got over they barely got past the Spurs last year if Chris Paul hadn't hit that shot I think San Antonio would would have found a way to win that series last season in the playoffs yeah I mean but that's San Antonio's thing so, is they find a way randomly um yep. No, it could just be that every other team is coming up, um, and it's it could be in this in it this league. Be. If and you're not moving really forward, fast. you're standing still. You know. Yeah, yeah. And right now, yeah. I think yeah. aside from the Warriors, the Pelicans, and probably OKC, every other team is standing still. They're like banking on yeah. like the I, talent that they already have. Can't even give it to the Pelicans at this point. I, um, just yeah, because they have Anthony Davis. No, and yes, they have Anthony Davis, but they need to. They still need to put another big man in there so he can stop taking all the abuse. They still need to grow mm-hmm. beyond what Anthony Davis is, and they had the perfect chance yeah. to do it, but they traded away Nerlens Noel. I think that I still think they're stupid for that. Yes, a they, guy falls into your lap who could be a first overall pick, who plays. Similar to Anthony Davis, but a little bit larger, you know, lengthwise. Mm. And then you just go trade him. Granted, they got a decent, you know, compensation for him. But you could have had those two big men playing together who knew how to play together, knew how to fit with each other, and could play yeah, similar. Yeah, that would have been scary. You know, it's almost yeah. like what we're expecting to see out of in the next couple of years as of um, DeMarcus Cousins and Willie Colley Stein. They could have had that mm. kind of relationship on the court together, you know. Yeah. Both Kentucky, again, back to both Kentucky kids, both centers who block, who can post up, the who se- can posterize. The second iteration of the Twin Towers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and if, if anyone watched Team USA basketball last summer or two summers ago, I believe it was. I think it was the two, two summers ago when Team USA played, when they had DeMarcus Cousin and, and Anthony Davis. They played really well together. Yeah, I mean, because they, cause you know, they know how to I play mean, together. granted. Coach K probably had a lot to do with that, along with <laughs> Jim Beheim and you know that coaching staff. But they, they, you know, they they made it work. Absolutely, I mean, and but these guys they played the same position and system in college. They can come in and mm-hmm. play together, and they had their chance at that because there is no way that Nerlens Noel should have hit sixth in the draft. Yeah, the. Yep. I mean, Anthony Bennett was taken before him. Victor Oladipo, Cody Zeller was taken before him. There's no the only feasible person you can say is Victor Oladipo, yeah. just because he's on the Magic and that looks like a team to watch. So. Uh, yeah, but there was four oh, people yeah, yeah, who yeah, should have never been picked before him, picked before him, and there's four teams regretting that. They got this kid, mm-hmm. and then they end up trading him away for. Yes, something that they needed, but something that's a lot easier to find than yeah. a center who can, instead of clash, but mesh with a guy like Anthony Davis, who is a court yeah. general who takes over the court, but also is going to need somebody to take a lot of the beating off of him. He's taking too yeah. many bumps in the paint. You know, he mm. has to. His yeah. knees are going to get shot. The one, like, saving grace I say I have for the Pelicans, at least, this could be my own, like, made-up idea. I feel like by the time Anthony Davis is in, like, his full-fledged, like, he's in his prime or just about to hit his prime. When the brow is complete. Uh, yeah, the, when the brow is complete. 
that the West is going to be what the East was when LeBron came in, and that's why they're going to be able to make those deep playoff runs. And then he's that's oh. true. Um, it, if it keeps going at the rate it is now, then probably you know. Of course, if Golden State really doesn't change, and I don't see that team changing really too much because you see that they have fun together on the court. Their chemistry is just you know ridiculous. You know they're they're most likely going to stay the same. You can see a few changes on the Spurs. You know if you can, you know if Tim Duncan finally decides to hang it up along with Ginobili. But other than that, you, you see Houston plummeting down, yeah. you know, pretty fast unless they turn it around. So that could possibly happen. But and, and the, the the Pelicans have a good team. They're just young, you know, with Evans and Gordon. You know, they're just they're just really young. They don't have too much experience. They don't have those vets. You know, when you're looking at Anthony Davis as your leading scorer, locker room leader, and the voice, and he's, what, 21, 22? Something like that. You know, at at 23, the highest, you know, know, at the oldest, then it's like, you know, how much do you really, you know, that team is going to go as far as he takes them. And he doesn't have that experience yet to really put the team on his shoulders in a seven-game series against the better teams in the West. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was like um, the Celtics that LeBron really couldn't get past, or was it the Wizards at that uh, that time? That LeBron, like, early on in, like, in his career, like when he was like entering like his prime? Okay, yeah. Um, it was he lost to Boston. He lost to Orlando. And Boston, Spurs. Orlando, and no, the Spurs in the finals. Oh. But it was it was basically Boston and Orlando. And if you look at every team LeBron lost to early in his career, it were teams that played defense. Orlando, when Dwight was man in the middle, and Jermaine Nelson and all those players they had around him, they were a defensive team with Dwight Howard in the middle. The Spurs, you know, all I have to say about the Spurs is they're, 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 they're the Spurs. You know, they, and, they, they play hard and you know, Boston, you've got, you know, KG, man in the middle. Ray when, Allen. You know, you've got Ray Allen Pierce. and Paul. You know, you got those vets who've been in the league, you know, X amount of years. He lost to teams that really played defense and knew how to play the game, you know, when he got to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's yeah. why LeBron never really won a ring early in his career. Plus, I mean, you know what they say, the guy who wins the the MVP of the finals is the guy who guards LeBron. Yeah, the guy who stops LeBron, they, you get they, the MVP. They knew that if they stopped this one guy, there was nothing else around him, which is what yeah. I feel is going to happen with Anthony Davis. Not only, the, even like look at the Cavaliers, they're like outside of like the few of the great players that they have, there's really not much there. No. I no. mean, there, there's nothing... No. There, there's depth there in guys who can stand on the court and wave their arms around and say, pass me the ball, but there's no skilled depth there. Are you talking about the Cavaliers now or back in the day? Um, I'm both, really. Uh, yeah, I'm talking, I feel, really. I, aside from, like, Kyrie Irving and um, Kevin, Love. T- Kevin Love and uh, Tristan Thompson, I really don't feel like there's much outside of that core group that they have around them. I mean, if J.R. Smith gets his head together <laughs> and – and, 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 you know, stays consistent. You know, I watched Jay Smith from when he was in Denver with Carmelo. Yeah, that's He's been, like, the story of his career. Player. Such a great player, man. If he just stays consistent with his shot and doesn't, you know, take – if you take away those five or six stupid shots he takes a game, <laughs> oh, jump you know, twist, you know he, like up and shoot. 
Yeah, he you know he can get an extra couple of points off taking a good shot. Yeah. Or give me, I'd rather him give me three or four assists or the pass to an assist than those stupid shots. But yeah. then some of those stupid shots, it's like, no, what are you doing? And it goes in. It's like, oh my lord, this, yeah. what is this guy doing? But you know, if he if he just gets his head on right, he can be such a great player. Iman Sumper just has to get healthy. And like you said, they got Kyrie and Kevin Love. And, you know, Mozgov is like the perfect center for that team, being that they have so much offense around him. You don't need him to give you 14 points. Mm-hmm. He'll give it to you off a, you know, cleanup point. Yeah. But, you know, and then you got Tristan Thompson coming off the bench. But he's been starting recently in place of Mozgov. They've been starting Love and Thompson. And I think they won three or four in a row with that combo on the block. Yeah, they've been going with their they small just package. Need to, they need to mature, like, as far as, like, you know, the younger players, like, you know, maturity with, you know, Tristan Thompson. You know, you can't really count on Della Vadova to carry, you know, oh, to God. play 40 minutes and be as effective as he was. You know, he had a insanity moment, you know, a couple of games, and that's where he really made his name and probably is going to make a couple of dollars off of. But, you know, if they get their chemistry right, they can be a, they can they can go back to the finals. And I even think if they were healthy last year in the finals, I, I think they would have beat Golden State in six or seven. Because when Kevin Love went down, uh, yeah, like when, when Kevin Love went down, I was like, oh man, you know that's gonna suck. You know, you want to see both teams healthy in the finals. Yeah, you know, Kevin Love went down. It's like, okay, you know, you know, they can adjust because you know they had Tristan Thompson and you know Mozgov and um, those big boys. They, they even had Perkins last year, but I, he didn't really play too much. I don't know what the deal was. But once Kyrie went down, I was like, yeah, they're you know they're not they're not winning that. But then LeBron still had him in every game. Yeah, I think this is so. Probably... I would like to see what they can do healthy against Golden State in the seven game series. That that would be exciting. This is probably going to be one of like the all time like barbershop debates. Oh, who would have won, the Golden State or the Oh yeah, or the oh Cavaliers. yeah, oh yeah. I have it in my barbershop every day. <laughs> it was. But... Every, every time I go to the barbershop, I'm I'm debating on like you know I'm always gonna rep my Giants. Yeah. I'm always gonna rep mm-hmm. the Knicks. So I always in the barbershop. I'm always, I'm down there. I'm always in a New York hat, New York shirt, or something. So everywhere I go, you know, especially in the barbershop, you know, it's always yeah. a debate. I'm always in the Carolina I, shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I feel like it's. I think Kyrie going down probably was the best worst thing to happen to the Cavaliers in that series just because of the pure fact if Kyrie's in there it's a faster paced game. It's going to be a lot more transition. You're getting you're getting off the break a lot faster. And that's how Golden oh, yeah. State likes to play. So you're playing into their hands. Force if they, mm-hmm. if the Cavaliers were that team with like Mozgov in the middle, and they were slowing down like the pace of the game, and they they were used to playing that way all season. Then I think they would have beaten them. But if they would have had Kyrie and Love healthy, I think Golden State probably would have won in five. Or if they would have had Kyrie and Wiggins, five. Yeah, yeah or Kyrie and now Wiggins. You- yeah, I ha- I still hate the yeah. Love trade. I think it was bad. I think younger legs on there who can score, and we're seeing what Wiggins can do. But that's neither here nor there because they made that mistake in my eyes. in Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah, if they it, can stay healthy, whew. Minnesota can be a team on the rise. With they Zach can be Levine. a team on the rise. They, 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 have, they have so much young talent. They, they can be a team on the rise. Zach Along Levine with the coming into his you know, own as a thing. full player. He's not just a... He's not just a slam dunk champion. No. He's shooting the ball no, now. No. He's driving the proper yeah. way. He plays point guard now, too. Does he? Yeah, we play combo. Yeah, he's a combo yeah, yeah. Okay. He's, he's a one-two. Yeah, he's been bringing the ball up. He's been bringing the ball up. Yep. He's still my favorite draft night 
oh, person yeah. ever. When he just, uh, he was, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. he just screams. He's so mad he has to go there. But hey, man, that kid made himself <laughs> a star, you know? Everybody knew, nobody knew his name before the slam dunk contest. And big I fish in a sm- really can't wait to see what he does. Big fish in a small market. That's like what people like glorify Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant for basically putting OKC on the map. Yeah. Nobody knew where oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was before that. Hands down, they did. Hands down, they did. When yeah. when they, before Westbrook came, when Kevin Durant was in Seattle, you know, before the franchise moved, you know, you knew, you know, you obviously knew who the Supersonics were. If yeah. you, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm 26, you know, back in the day when they had Ray Allen, Jerome James, Sam yeah. Cassell, you know, they were, they were in the West, you know, putting in work. So you knew who they were, but after those players left, they were really at the bottom. Yeah. Not just the bottom of the West, but like the bottom of the league. And Rashard Kevin Durant, Lewis was the star player on that yeah, team. Yeah, Rashard, yeah, Rashard <laughs> Lewis. I forgot about him. Ray Allen. You know, they brother. really, Kevin Durant and, Ren, and Russell Westbrook really revitalized that franchise a lot. And the things that Portland missed out on. Oh, God, let's not get into what the, <laughs> they missed out on Jordan. Like, the conversation starts stops and ends there. <laughs> <laughs> like they just have a slew of bad decision making and and drafting. The best thing they ever did was draft Damian Lillard, and I'm surprised they got that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the Browns of them. Yeah. yeah, I I forgot who they draft. They drafted Brandon Roy and like Rudy Fernandez. Oh, and like they drafted Greg Oden instead of Kevin Durant. Yeah, Greg Oden over here. That listen, that's one decision. I know that GM is probably <laughs> still haunting to this day. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's it probably still haunts him to this day. Hey, I yeah. mean, again, neither here nor there because they made that choice and OKC just benefited from it. Yes, and oh yeah. Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have. Thank you, Craig, for coming on yeah, again. Thank you for coming on. We definitely need anytime, to do this. Anytime. We definitely need to do this again. And everybody, happy New Year's again. Happy New Year. Get home safe. <laughs>